Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning. How is your How is your morning? How's your weekend? Uh, lovely, yes. It's, uh, it's very bright and very sunny over in North London this yeah. morning, so that's, that's a, a good start to the week, certainly. Yeah, I like sun. Yourself? Yeah, grand, grand. Getting ready for my holiday. I'm going on holidays on Wednesday. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. Uh, where are you off to, remind me? Uh, just off to uh, to Spain for a week on the mm. beach. Switch off completely, so I should tell people from the start, there is going to be no Arscast Extra next week, unless something extraordinary happens and we kind of have to. Okay. But otherwise, I'm, you know, I hope people will allow me just take a week off. What would qualify as extraordinary, just so we're all aware? Something like uh, signing, perhaps signing a striker, signing... Okay. A striker that will play for us this season, signing a striker that could, in fact, get us goals to win us things, signing a striker of some repute, an established striker of some kind, or another player who might add to our squad in some way. That would be worthy of discussion from my from my beach location. Well, I, I should think you're pretty safe. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, as we know, uh, signing... The Japan international, Takuma Asano. Yes. That's it. That's it. What a wonderful phrase. Yeah, people have been doing that. It really does work very well, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It if, people, does. if people don't know what we're talking about, it, it works with this song. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing praise. It means no I almost hope his his career pans out and he makes it Arsenal just so we can hear that ringing around the Emirates. It would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Everyone singing from The Lion King. Brilliant. Get the cast of the West End show down to join in, <laughs> bolster the ranks of the fans. It would require some, some coordination, I think. Mm. Um, because, yeah, it's not like... Uh, not like your archetypal football song. There's uh, there's uh, rhythm and meter and uh, melody and all those kind of things. But uh, yeah, it would be funny. Oh, I think we can manage it. Yeah. I think we'll pull it together. So look, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing as we're on this guy and the checkbook is obviously closed and this is the last transfer that we're ever going to do, basically. Yes, this is it. This is the end of transfers. Arsene Wenger's completed transfers now. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's coming to the end of his career and he's just going... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna banter the shit out of this. He's been well, hanging the, out with Jenks. 
the real question is, does this mean this is his last season? If he's pushed the boat out to land Takuma Asano, is it a sure sign that surely his retirement's around the corner? I mean, Absolutely. Short-termism all the way. He's going to abdicate any minute now. Prince Charles is going to take over at last. <laughs> he's been waiting so long. Yeah. Bless him. Well, so look, what what do you think? What do you think? I mean, a couple of days ago, nobody from uh, from this side of the world, really, unless you're a J-League expert, had ever heard of Takuma Asano. And then mm. the stories came. And uh, you know, when, when that story broke, I was looking at it uh, and I was talking to Andrew Allen about it. And we were going, will we, will we cover it? Because it feels like, feels like this could be actually something that we would do, yeah. like an unknown Japanese striker who won't play for us uh, for at least a season. Um, we had a look at the journalist who was, uh, who was breaking the story uh, on Twitter, and he seemed you know, quite credible, and it really did feel like all of, all of a sudden this is, this is probably going to be a thing. Um, it, is, it is quite Arsenal in its way. It's extremely Arsenal. It's extremely awesome. Sorry, I thought there was going to be more to that sentence, but no, no, no. It's it's reminiscent of uh, it's a little reminiscent of 2011, isn't it? And the uh, everyone was waiting for the replacements for Sami Nasri and Cesc Fabregas, and and Joel Campbell was acquired. Oh, do you think? I think well, that's a only bit of in a terms st- of the profile of the player, I guess. But, yeah, I think that's uh, a bit of a stretch because I think you know at that at that point we knew Fabregas and Nasri were going to leave, and given how important they were. We spent a lot of time trying to sign Joel Campbell, who who eventually didn't play for us for three or four years. Mm. Uh, and I think we were in much more difficult shape back then than we are now. And the, the Joel Campbell thing seemed to be a bit of a saga, didn't it? Because he had about seven agents. But, you know, this time around, it seems it's quite efficient. Yeah, very efficient. I mean, that's the big difference. We, that story that you alluded to about, you know, Sano saying Arsenal were interested was, what, a matter of days ago? Yeah. Uh, and now there he is all over Arsenal.com. Uh, but I think the, the, the comparison is more in the fact that I don't think this is a guy who's going to play for the first time, a uh, first time, first team anytime soon. Right. Um, certainly because he's probably quite unlikely to qualify for a work permit, isn't he, from what, from what I understand? Yeah, he's only played four internationals for Japan. I don't think the transfer fee um, qualifies him for a visa. And I think probably, given what Arsene Wenger said... Um, that he is very much one for the future, it doesn't sound like he's a signing being made for next season in any no, way, no. that they've identified him as some kind of talent, that a guy who's got potential, let's bring him in, uh, let's loan him out, let him develop, I don't know where. I wonder where they're going to loan him to. Where? Well, there where was talk uh, in, the, in the bits and bobs that I've read around him that there was interest from him uh, from clubs in Germany potentially okay so that's a possibility I imagine I don't think it's a situation where they'd look to loan him somewhere like you know Spain until he can get citizenship or anything like that I think it would just be a question of waiting till he has the requisite amount of Japan caps to yep. qualify uh, but yeah I think there had been some interest from the Bundesliga so that could be uh, and the Netherlands I think so maybe one of those two countries could be one to watch right right okay well that'd be good for him um, great 21 years of age, big move. Um, well, he's not young, 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 is he, 21? No. That's the thing. It's not someone who's 15 or 16 coming over, so he can't be too far away. No. No. Um, and then people will say, well, if he is 21 and this is the way that you know his career is going, does that say something about him? But, you know, we spoke about it last week, didn't we, that players who... Um, there's no one path 
to becoming a good player in your twenties. You can be a you can be a whiz kid. You can start like someone like Cesc Fabregas and be brilliant at seventeen, uh, or you can be like you know Lauren Koscielny, uh, Didier Drogba. I think you mentioned last week guys who didn't really play first team uh, top flight football until they were in their almost mid twenties, twenty three, twenty four and who then develop into top-class players. So it's not uh, there's no prescribed way of doing it. So I, I don't see any real problem with this signing. No, I mean, I think, you know, I understood the reaction because obviously I think fans are probably feeling a bit frustrated after the way the, the Jamie Vardy saga turned mm. out. Uh, but this kind of business, this kind of recruitment of young players who could potentially contribute to our future is ongoing, isn't it? It happens all the time. Yeah. And that agenda doesn't change, really, depending on what's happening in the first team. Mm. You know, it's always important to try and get in some young players with potential. And they are gambles. They're always gambles. But those kind of gambles, you know, clubs like Chelsea are, are doing very well out of gambles like this. You know, either the player makes it and is able to contribute to the first team or perhaps he develops and you sell him on for a profit. Mm. There's really very little harm done by spending a few million quid on a a young guy who was voted the J-League's, you know, rookie of the year last in 2015, so he's clearly got some something mm. about him. All right, yeah, I mean, but then people get really angry because, well, why are you signing this guy and you're not signing the the striker that we need, the world-class striker that we need? And, you know, I kind of, I understand it to a certain extent, but, um, yeah, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? It is, and I don't think one prohibits the other. Of course, um, of course, but people are concerned because we haven't done the other. But I, I don't, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that you know we're, we're not trying to do that because obviously the Jamie Vardy thing was there. We were after Jamie Vardy. We went in with a bid. We triggered his release clause. We did all the things that you would do if you were really actively looking for. Uh, a top-class striker? I mean, th those are words that I don't necessarily uh, apply to, to Jamie Vardy, per se. Uh, <laughs> I think that, sure. that, that could be a bit of a stretch. I mean, uh, but somebody who could add something to the first team this season. Uh, you know, we're there. We're trying to do it. That one didn't work. We've obviously um, set our sights elsewhere. Exactly where those are, I don't quite know. But I don't know why, when you do something like this, it's immediately written off in the context of something that's completely and utterly different and not necessarily relevant. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, uh, I mean, I guess Arsenal's detractors and people who get irritated the way the club behaves in the market would say, well, you know, the evidence is there. In the past, we've pursued mm. young players like this, but not necessarily landed the big names we needed. Um, so, you know, there is some historical precedent that, that justifies their frustration but I, I think you have to hope that the club know what they need to do and that they will do that nonetheless but it will take time when they lost out on Vardy effectively they had to start over again you know they they probably had to go back to their list of targets and yeah. begin pursuing other avenues because one imagines they didn't think it would come to this. Yeah, true. And I have to say, maybe I can't remember, I can't find the thing here, but uh, it could have been Jeremy Wilson in The Telegraph in an article saying that Arsenal are still targeting a striker um, with Morata and Lacazette uh, on the agenda there, even though the, the Lyon president has said that Lacazette is going to stay uh, in Lyon for another season. So maybe it's Morata. And if we bring in Morata, um, then I don't think anybody's got anything to, co to complain about when it comes to, um, you know, this, uh, this Japan guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was an interesting quote from Arsene, uh, I think it was to French television, 
when he was asked about Lacazette, he said something about our, uh, clubs having four or five targets generally mm. in any position and having to to do the deal that's most feasible in the end. Yeah. Um, and clearly they felt that was Vardy. That hasn't proved to be the case. Now it's a question of investigating the other options and seeing which is which is plausible to pull off this summer. Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of the, 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 the stuff when people say, oh, we're only signing a player like this to sell shirts? Well, um, I, I understand a tiny bit of scepticism simply because um, the Asian players that we've signed previously at Arsenal haven't exactly been roaring successes. The Japanese internationals we've had... Who have we had? We've had Junichi Nomoto and Ryo Miyachi and, and then, of course, Park Chu Young. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... It's difficult for me to believe that certainly that Arsene Wenger would be involved in a signing purely for those reasons. Mm. Um, what do you make? Of I it? think it's like deeply patronising to the people of those countries to think yeah, that sure. just because a player from there has signed uh, for Arsenal, that they're all just going to go out and buy shirts. Um, as our friend West Antone points out, that you can buy like ten shirts for a tenner in a lot of uh, Asian countries. Mm. So not all the sh- all the shirts are coming through the official channels. The other thing as well is like imagine a Puma shop or a sports shop in Japan, and they sell an Arsenal shirt. Right? How much of that? Actually Actually gets to Arsenal after the shop take their bit, Puma take the big bit, uh, taxes, all those kind of things. You know what Arsenal make off a shirt, and I know uh, particularly with the maybe it could be the Chelsea deal or the Manchester United deal um, that basically they get nothing from shirt sales. That right. it's all in the sponsorship deal from Adidas or Umbro or Nike or whoever it is. That, okay, we'll give you X amount of money and you get like a pittance, a tiny amount uh, on actual shirt sales. You know, where Arsenal will make some shirt sales are shirts that are sold in the armory and online. That's where they'll make some money. But like uh, shirt sales in a faraway country or shirt sales that are being sold in sports shops and department stores in Japan... Like, we're not making any fucking money on that. When you spend £5 million on a player and then you've got to pay him some wages and all the other associated fees that go with that, it makes just absolutely no sense. I think it's, like, daft. I, th- I agree. With, I mean, that's clearly the case. But And I feel uncomfortable with the suggestion that because this guy from Japan didn't do very well, this other guy from Japan <laughs> yeah, <laughs> will also not do very well. Um, the only sort of counterbalance to that is that I think the club, in recent years with their pre-season activity and their tours clearly has, has looked to raise their profile in Asia, sure. if not raking money via shirt sales. Sure. And I suppose it's possible that, I mean, any signing from any country probably does something to boost your profile in that country, you of, know? Of course, but you can't make signings based on that. If that's why you're making signings, if you're making signings based on what's good for the marketing of the football club, then, you know, that's that's ludicrous. And I can't imagine, I just can't see how anybody would be able to go to Arsene Wenger and say, sign this player because we might somehow benefit from advertising and marketing in, you know, X amount of time, especially if, you know, the player doesn't make it. It's not as if Inamoto did so brilliantly for Arsenal that, uh, you know, he, he became a hero in Japan and we became the biggest supported club in Japan. Um, no. You know, why aren't all the other clubs in the world going out and signing players from, from this part of the world if, that's, if it has such a profound effect on, on marketing? So I think it's just fucking lazy. Well, the other thing about Inamoto is that he, he wasn't a he wasn't a bad player, really. I mean, he did yeah. actually end up doing okay in the World Cup and in the Premier League. Um, the thing I think that's probably most likely that connects some of these signings is that Arsene Wenger, of course, has worked in Japanese football mm. and has a 
he's spoken quite publicly about his respect for. Uh, he talks a lot about the attitude in Japan of players and how much he admires it and the technical ability too. So, yeah, I, I wonder if that plays into the decision to to scout that area and bring players in. Let's hope he fares better than Inamoto and yeah. Miichi because Miichi, of course, was very highly rated when he first came over. And yeah, really but I think I think that was a real like he he was out of school. That's yeah. real. Miichi joined Arsenal from school, basically. Uh, and they saw a guy who had some skill who could run very, very, very fast indeed and mm. decided, well, fuck it, we'll take a, a little gamble on him. Didn't work out. And, uh, you know, his career is, uh, well, he's now in the Bundesliga, isn't he? So yeah. he had, had an injury. Too, maybe. All right, yeah. okay. He had, a, had an injury as well. So, you know, it didn't work out. But, you know, again, I don't think there's anything to be... Um, to be too concerned about, particularly in, in relation to what, whatever else we're going to do this summer. He was on Twitter, uh, uh, Takuma Asano, and uh, he said, this time we decided to completely move as Arsenal release came out. Until transfers, we still have games to I want to do my best at 100% with respect to that before the street eyes until now. Google Did Translate. Google help you with that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a marvellous tool, isn't it? Uh, he, tell you what, he's reading a couple of Japanese journalists and watching the absolute solid gold evidence of YouTube clips. Yeah. He's not, he's not the slowest either, Takuma Asano. He's, he's very quick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I look forward to seeing how he does. He'll be competing at the Olympics, we imagine, in August. Yeah, we'll get to see him for the first time there, see what kind of a, see what kind of a guy he is. And uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. But in the meantime, there's a striker at the European Championships doing good things. Ah, yes, that f- French guy. Yeah, he's rubbish though. Apparently, he is absolutely rubbish. But you know, he's overachieving significantly in the, in the European <laughs> Championships. Uh, it's just a brief purple patch. Let's hope it doesn't trick anyone into thinking he could be their first choice striker next season. Mm. No, he, he um, he's he's played very well against Iceland, I thought. Um two two great goals. Yeah. And a brilliant assist. Yeah. He was excellent. He was really, really good. I mean, you know, we, we spoke last week about how there weren't really any strikers or any players standing out. And over the last week or so, we've seen Olivier Giroud play very, very well. He did brilliantly against Ireland as well. He was very effective and played a big role in France's victory mm. that day. Uh, was great last night against Iceland. Uh, and Aaron Ramsey in midfield for Wales, like brilliant against Belgium. You know, if, I know it's a hypothetical and I know it's probably a bit of a lazy thing, but, you know, if we saw those players doing well and they weren't Arsenal players, we'd be going, well, I'd have a bit of that. I'd have a bit of that blonde guy and that handsome French guy. He looks like he could score a goal or two. So maybe, maybe, as much as we all want things to improve, and we do, and we need a striker, and we've improved our midfield as well by bringing in Granite Xhaka, perhaps, perhaps there's a need sometimes to just step back and appreciate what we actually have. Ah, what a nice thought. (laughs) I can't see it happening. I I agree with you. I think if we were watching Giroud, we'd be very impressed by him. I think we might still think, is he the right style of striker for the football we want to play? But he's undoubtedly playing very well. As for Ramsey, I think he's been outstanding. I I imagine he'll be in contention to be in the team of the tournament because there haven't been many midfielders who've been more effective. I think he's got four assists across the course of the competition Correct. Uh, which is the highest since 1980 in a European Championship, something like that. Right. Um, gutted for him that he misses the semi-final. Mm. Absolutely gutted. It's very harsh, isn't it? Because two bookings in five games to miss a semi-final is is really really harsh. 
um, I suppose we talked about, or, or it was said that, you know, the booking should have been wiped out at the end of the group stages. Mm. Uh, and he did get two bookings in two consecutive games. But I think when you step back at it and look at it, two bookings in five games, five very intense international tournament games to rule you out of, to rule you out of a semi-final, it's, it's very, very harsh. And you do obviously feel for him and, and worry for Wales a bit as well, because as much as the focus is on Bale and people talk about Bale being, you know, an absolutely world-class player, et cetera, et cetera. I think Ramsey has been, I think Ramsey has been Wales's most important player. Well, I think probably the fact that there is that much focus on Bale liberates Ramsey a little bit mm. uh, and enables him to to influence games that bit more. Bale's actually, uh, you know, his major contributions in this tournament have been set pieces, really. Um, he scored two free kicks and he has been a threat aside from that and given Wales an outlet on the break, but mm. he's no Hal robson Carnu. What about him, <laughs> the son of Carnu? Wow. Finally delivering with that brilliant back heel. And Brian Robson. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, or well, Bobby Robson. Be. He must be having scored that goal. That yeah. was extraordinary. Was He's a, on a free if we need a striker. And he, he used to be at the uh, Arsenal Academy, apparently. I know. Doesn't it always seem to go? But uh, yeah, he was, I think, until about fifteen, sixteen. Then he was released. He's been at Reading yeah. pretty, pretty much ever since. Well, I mean, I think he's he's going to find himself a club very easily based on what he's done at the European Championships. Mm. I mean, that turn was absolutely brilliant. You know what it was like? It was like throwing a ball for a puppy and not releasing the ball. Yeah. And the puppy goes off running going, where's the ball? Where's the ball? Three Belgian puppies. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wondering what on earth was going on. Yeah, it was great. Um, Absolutely fantastic goal. Brilliant yeah. goal. And you know what? I loved the header, the Sam Vokes header. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely brilliant. You've got to love a, a fucking header that just like goes into the top corner, but it's all on the guy who who made the header. Sometimes you know it's it's very obvious, but the power he got on it, the 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 trajectory he put on that ball uh, to beat a, a goalkeeper as good as Courtois, fantastic. So there are loads of strikers out there we could sign. Mm, yes, Sam Vokes, Hal Robson, Canu, exactly. Olivier Giroud. Give Giroud a new deal. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, just going back to Giroud, um, yeah. is there something to be said? And a number of people have asked this in the questions, but I didn't quite uh, pick up the question itself. But uh, with Griezmann playing off him, mm. like having a more mobile, nippy guy zipping around Olivier Giroud, does that add a... Uh, an extra dimension to his game because we know what he is. We know he's a, a center forward. He's sort of a target man. He's a guy who can link up play very well. His flicks and tricks work. But, you know, having that guy playing really close to him who can run off and who can make those runs and who, you know, like we saw with Griezmann last night, you know, that, that could be, could that be an Arsene Wenger's thinking when he comes to recruiting a, a striker? Maybe. I mean, I have to say, I was really impressed by Griezmann. As good as Giroud was, I thought he was excellent. Mm. His goal was, I love a little dinked finish like that. Yeah. Um, but I thought, yeah, I mean, the more I watch him, the sadder I feel that he's out of our reach and staying at Atletico Madrid. Well, he has signed uh, a new deal, hasn't he? He has indeed. And it, what's great about him is that he, he offers such a goal threat, but actually can play with Giroud. You know, you think he could probably play with or mm. with or without him. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, He's been brilliant. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't anticipate Arsene Wenger changing the system dramatically. So do you mean potentially, I don't know, putting someone, replacing Mesut Ozil in that number 10 role off Giroud or someone out wide? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the big question, isn't it? That's what Arsene Wenger has to decide. I mean, how do you not harness the talent and, and uh, creativity of Mesut Ozil? who got a good goal himself. 
Very good goal. An unusually emphatic finish, definitely. But when it came to the penalty... Yeah. <laughs> not quite as good. No. I mean, amazing. I mean, I admire him that he still takes them, you know, even in a shootout situation, the pressure's on, but uh, it's, not his, it's not his greatest skill, is it? No. No. It's so unusual for a player of his technique uh, and the technical quality that he has to be that poor at, at penalties. Mm. However... However, he wasn't the poorest at penalties when it came. No, he was not. <laughs> who was your who was your your least favourite penalty taker? Uh, Zaza, Simone Zaza. Yeah. What what about his little his little? I don't want to call it a run up. I think that would be too kind. Really. What was it? I don't know. It was like a little. I don't know what you would he call was like it. Like a hamster in a in a treadmill. You know, just I don't know. His legs were pumping away. Yeah. He pumped it too hard. He it was did, like yeah. a super soaker where he, he loaded it up too much. <laughs> it exploded. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. There were, like, for about four or five penalties, it was the worst penalty shootout I'd ever seen. I think Pele's penalty was particularly bad. That were, Oh, he told the goalkeeper he was going to do a Panenka, didn't he? Is that what happened? Yeah, he kind of did this because apparently he has a bit of a uh, bit of uh, a bit of previous with Panenka's. So he right. he reckons uh, obviously Neuer has done his homework on him as a penalty taker, and he does the old "I'm going to dink it, mate." That's what I'm going to do. You watch, you watch, and then he fucking just put it wide, screwed it well wide. What yeah. a cunt! <laughs> um, what? Who else was bad? Poor. I mean, there were some bad penalties. Yeah. Schweinsteiger always good to yeah. see him miss. Muller missed as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so the quality tight. of the players missing the penalties um, was was really something. But uh, look, Germany got away with it. Macedonia got away with it. They're into the semi final. They'll play France. That is going to be a game. Yes, there was a game when the Spain uh, played Italy. In the first knockout stage in France, they called it uh, the final too early. But I feel like this is the the too early final, really. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, what, whichever of these sides comes through that semi will be big favourites in the final, you imagine. Mm. I have a really bad feeling that Portugal are going to do it. Oh, really? What, go all the way? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't bear it. Mm. I couldn't bear to see how thick his neck would swell mm. with a medal around it I just have this feeling they've been scraping their way through games you know, they, they aren't very good are they no they're not but then that's not necessarily the most important thing neither were when Greece, it comes no. to yeah neither were Greece you know when it comes to knockout football anything can happen that you know sometimes when there's just this little bit of momentum behind you when you know they've reached the semi-finals without having won a game in 90 minutes you know that's that, crazy it is and and who was it was it poland went out without ever having been behind in a game <laughs> so you know these are the the, the vagaries of of knockout football of uh, tournament football and i just have this bad feeling in my stomach that that portugal could do it i mean do you think do you think that wales can beat portugal without ramsey they're also missing one of the defenders as well isn't ben it davis ben davis by, yeah I don't know. I mean, they've got some good players in the squad. I mean, it, it could be Andy King who comes in, who contributed at Leicester this season. Um, it's a big ask, though. It's mm. a big ask. That said, I didn't think they'd, <laughs> I didn't think they'd beat Belgium. You know, so uh, they could surprise me, but it will need something pretty special. As for France and Germany, I mean, do you have a favourite there? Do you think there's one side who looks stronger? Um... 
You would have said Germany probably until last night when France really yeah. dismantled Iceland. I think from an attacking point of view, France certainly look like the team with the most goals in them in mm. this tournament. Um, you know, Giroud is scoring, Griezmann is scoring, Payet is scoring. Uh, they look dangerous. The, the football they're playing from an attacking point of view, see, it's more clinical and more incisive than anybody else. Um, although, wow, what a fucking amazing save, Buffon from Gomez. Uh, yeah. in that game. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant. I love Buffon. He's fantastic. But yeah, I would have to say probably you would think France would have the edge over Germany from an attacking point of view, but we know what Germany are like in international tournaments. You know, you can't write them off in any way. So it's going to be going to be a fascinating one, that. Um, and then obviously Portugal and Wales. And, you know, I really do hope Wales get through. It would be what an amazing thing for Wales to get to the, uh, to the final of the European Championships. That would be, I mean, it's pretty amazing for them to get to the semi final, but mm. if they could get to the final and Ramsey could have one more, one more crack at it, mm. uh, that really would be something. And if, put, putting yeah. England to shame, of course. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, we spoke last Monday, didn't we? Um, I was probably very confident about their, their fortunes against Iceland. Yeah, I think How you said something along the lines of, there's literally no way that England can lose this game. Iceland are stuffed. They're going to go back to their volcanoes, crying into their desiccated shark juice. I think that's what you said. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a direct quote. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what an extraordinary win that was. Amazing. Uh, I know from your point of view and for uh, from the point of view of many of uh, our listeners who are English, uh, they probably didn't enjoy it as much as the rest of us but um, God it was really really funny Oh I mean even I certainly could see the uh, see the funny side I mean it was one of those where when Iceland went ahead I was kind of finding it very funny and then the longer it went on I realised that this was going to be the result and that mm. familiar sense of of doom and gloom that I've had a couple of times watching Arsenal in the past. You won't, you really? Won't, yeah, you'll be surprised to hear. Oh, no. uh, began to sink in uh, <laughs> as I watched a group of talented individuals dramatically underachieve against a more organised and committed team. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a, a disheartening but not entirely unfamiliar experience. But, yeah, they were really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. And really, I have to say, really actually, bad. this might seem... Uh, a little churlish of me, but I was really surprised. Um, is that the right word? Maybe disappointed in Jack Wilshire. I mean, in his performances in the tournament, looked so far from ready. One wonders what Arsene Wenger saw in his training and what he said to Roy Hodgson because he was absolutely miles away. From well, the I mean, that, that, we used that, to see. Him. Yeah, of course, but the, I don't know why anybody is surprised by that. I don't know why anybody would think that a guy who played 114 minutes of football last season yeah. is physically ready for the European Championships. There's no way that he should have gone. I don't think there's any way. I mean, I understand why Hodgson wanted to take him because I think it had to do with playing his decision to play Rooney as a central midfielder, as a sort of mm. creative central midfielder, which ultimately he must have known that this was a bad idea. So the reason I think he took Wilshire was to have an alternative, somebody who could uh, slot into that role and perhaps pick a pass and be that little bit of uh, creativity or bring that bit of creativity to the midfield that you don't get from Eric Dyer, you don't get it from you know the hugely overrated Deli Ali, you don't get it from anyone else. So I think that's why he brought him because of the talent and potential that Wilshire has. Mm. But the reality of the situation was he didn't play until April. He was out for the entire season, and to expect him to come in, uh, even if he was okay, he couldn't have been match fit. Not possible. 
right? Yeah. The only thing that Jack Wilshire was going into this was uninjured. That's it. So yeah. he couldn't have been ready physically, couldn't have been ready mentally. He had no form to speak of because he'd played so little, no fluency in his game. We know that when players come back from injury, particularly a long injury absence, they need some time and they need games, you know, to, to find any any measure of form. And so to to see Wilshire thrown in and play poorly, which I think he did basically, it should be of no surprise to anybody. I don't mm. know why Wilshire is the one being criticized necessarily because, you know, he wasn't the one that picked himself. He didn't pick the England squad. And frankly, it's, it's a part of, you know, the, the mess that Hodgson made of things. Yeah. What, I, I, what his alternatives were. Yeah. What his alternatives were. I don't quite know. Could he have brought Danny Drinkwater? Is Danny Drinkwater a guy who could do what Jack Wilshire can do? No, they're different kind of players. Um, but, you know, it's, it's no surprise that Jack has struggled. I mean, I think from an Arsenal point of view, the only thing you can do is look at it as a kind of early preseason for him. Yeah. It's useful minutes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason he was picked is because Hodgson regards his skill set as relatively unique within the options he has. Um, and when you, when you think, you know, when you talk about someone like Drinkwater, he is a very different player. You know, someone like James Milner, a very different player. Mm. Um, I think my only surprise is that in the past, I think when Wilshire's come back, he's actually tended to come back at first with a little bit more of a bang. Like what usually happens is that he, he makes his return and you think, bloody hell, he looks good. Then he goes into a bit of a dip. Arsenal mm. often talks about that with players who return. That there's an initial, we saw it slightly with Danny Welbeck last season, there's an initial burst and then they sort of have to sit back a bit while they, they adjust to regular football again. Yeah. Uh, but there was no, there was no spike whatsoever with Wilshire. He looked, I mean, but he has been out an awful long time. And this is a really important, I mean, how many times have we said this, but this is about to be a really important preseason for him. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, he looks, he looks a long way short of the player he was uh, back when he was fit. Yeah. I mean, the other thing as well is that he came into an England team with no discernible system or fluidity or form either. Like England, That's true. England's uh, overall performances throughout the tournament were really, really poor. And you couldn't figure out exactly how it was they wanted to play. You know, he starts with Harry Kane up front, then he's playing Kane and Sturridge, and he's throwing on Vardy and Rashford. And it all seemed a bit like higgledy-piggledy. Oh, we need a goal. Put on all the forwards that we have. And mm. that seemed to be the plan. So from that point of view, for Wilshire to come into that side and to try and fit into whatever the hell the system was, it didn't look like the players knew. Uh, so, you know, it's understandable that, that, you know, it didn't go particularly well for him. But look, if, if the minutes that he gets are beneficial to him, um, in, in the build up to our preseason, then, then all well and good because he's got a fight on his hands to get into the Arsenal team. You know, Jack has come in. Ramsey has been, you know, one of the players of the tournament. Uh, Elneny is there. Uh, Cazorla's back. Coquelin will be there. You know, where does Wilshire exactly fit in? So first and foremost, he's got to stay fit. And then he's got to really work hard to get himself back into the team. So uh, we'll see how it goes for him. It's a hell of a fight. Mm. It's a hell of a fight. So, yeah, it'll be interesting times indeed. Mm. All right. Anything else from the uh, last week or so? Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, oh, Mikel Arteta very quickly has gone to Manchester City to be part of Pep Guardiola's coaching staff. Yeah, as Can't we suspected he might. Yeah. Oh, what about um, Arsene Wenger in the England job? Did you give that story the time of day? Uh, yeah, I was asked to write something about that for ESPN. And I said, right. really? Because I don't think he'd be interested in doing that. 
I don't think he'd be. I don't think he'd like that job. I mean, um, in the past, he suggested that he wouldn't be interested. In that he feels it should be an Englishman for mm. a start. He's gone record a couple of times saying that. The, the only thing I thought he he was asked about it was it a couple of days ago, and he he wasn't absolutely definitive. He said, you know, I've got a contract for another year, and I don't know what I'll do then. Yeah, but well, um, you know, I think I think he was just being polite. <laughs> I think you don't. I don't think there's any way he would touch that job. Like I would do it because it pays three and a half million pounds a year. But if you were that's, a, not if, what, that's less than what he earns. Yeah, though, so. exactly. If you were a football manager of some repute or standing, when you look at the the way that the England job has affected the managers that have done the job, and they've come out of that, it's just it leaves an indelible stain on your career that nobody ever really recovers from. Mm. Go back through the managers, list them all, and look at what their careers have done since. Now, with some of them, there's an element of age to it that they got to like the end of their heading towards the end of their career. So it doesn't matter too much, but you know, others, Steve McLaren, for example, has managed one premier league club since he lost the England job. And Did you see was, the, the that, clip of him watching the Iceland game. <laughs> that was so funny. That was so funny. I'm sure that out at home if you haven't seen it. Yeah. So brilliant. Talking about it on, on Sky News. Um, very funny, but yeah, I don't see Arsene Wenger taking that job. As for Arteta, I think it's, I think it's a, a fantastic opportunity for him having been grounded in Barcelona. Uh, that's where he, he was brought up as a footballer. He's had five years working under Arsene Wenger to see how he works and now to go work with, with Pep Guardiola. What a, what a brilliant education that is when you're moving into management. Yeah, certainly. I saw Pep unveiled at Manchester City yesterday. They made a big fuss over him, but I guess you would. I mean, one of the real mm. sort of superstars of, of, of modern management. Yeah. Um, and a, a great opportunity for Arteta. Maybe he'll be England manager one day. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, God, I could actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with your questions in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you send us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog and also on Facebook. If you want to check it out, it's facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. And there's a post on there where you can leave your uh, questions uh, for podcasts in the future. James. I'm going to go first. Go on, then. All right. Just uh, sort of going back and touching on what we were talking about with regard with regard strikers. Uh, this one comes from David Russell at Gunner Down Under. Down Under. 
Not under, under. It's important. Mm. Uh, he says, do you two honestly believe Wenger will bring in a top striker or will it be another botched summer? Ooh. Well, we spoke earlier about what we mean by top class or top. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I think uh, I, <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if we might not get the level of striker that we expected or thought was possible at the start at the outset of the summer. Okay, what do you mean by that exactly? <laughs> I mean that Asano is the man <laughs> and the checkbook is closed. No, I wonder if there might be a reallocation of resources effectively. I wonder if we might end up getting more of a, a top class wide player and more of a striker who operates more as a kind of um as Tim Stillman put it in his column for Ask Blog, a kind of Danny Welbeck replacement. Uh, someone who fills Welbeck's gap in the squad without necessarily taking us a leap forward in, in striking terms. Right. You know, someone in that kind of, I don't know, 15 to 20 million pound bracket rather than someone in that 30 to 50 million pound bracket. Not that price tags are necessarily an indication of quality. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if there are just so few names out there and it's difficult to know who who it might be. Yeah. So I am slightly wondering if, if there might be a shift in how we try and solve this problem. I hope not, because I do think that a new centre-forward of some quality would be great for the shape of the team and for the style of the team. I just am slightly racking my brains now as to who that might be. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Well, I mean, I think we will sign forward players... Yeah, there's no question. Um, it's clear that we want one. It's clear that it's an issue um, of some urgency for the team, particularly when you think about it. If Giroud goes all the way in the final, let's say, mm. you know, he's going to need some time off. When's the final? The tenth or the twelfth or the eleventh of July? Yeah, the tenth of July. So he's going to need four weeks' holidays. Arsene Wenger talks about a player needing four weeks' holidays. That's the tenth of August. Or certainly into the first week of August. And then he's got to come back and do pre-season and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we can't let ourselves um, into a position where Giroud is still the number one striker. And I don't mean that in any way to denigrate Giroud. Uh, I think we all know that he's a, he's a... Well, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to score goals for us next season and he's going to be an important player. But uh, it's clear that we also need to add some threat from elsewhere. So another striker, another wide man, wherever that might be. Uh, so I, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I know that we are, yeah, I can't see a situation where we wouldn't make that kind of a signing. But who and when and how and for how much, you know, like you say, the names, the options out there are very limited. I mean, if you look at the European Championships, do you sign Lukaku based on what you've seen at the European Championships? Uh, yeah. Well, if you were yeah. looking purely at that, probably not. No, of course, and you can't look purely at that in the same way that you wouldn't look... Uh, uh, people are, are concerned that because Giroud is playing really well in the European Championships, that means we won't sign a striker because, you know, he's, he's proving everybody wrong. Uh, I, I don't think that's the way it works either. Um, and I think Arsene Wenger knows that the team needs to be improved. The front three needs to be improved. Um, you know, we might not have Alexis for the start of the season based on the pictures of his grotesquely swollen and hideous-looking ankle. Ooh, looks terrible, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much deformed at this moment yeah. in time. And he's sitting there. Uh, I notice he uh, put up a tweet with a selfie stick. 
um, and he's got his foot in a boot with ice and it's like a cryo boot or whatever the hell it is uh, that's trying to take all the, the swelling down. So, you know, we may have to look at uh, the start of the season without him being 100%, without Olivier Giroud getting the proper rest. So it's, I don't think with any great planning you can go into the season without making that signing. So I'm confident it will happen, but who, that, that's the million-dollar question at this point. It really is. And uh, we're sort of no close to knowing, really, are we? No. I mean, there were whispers about, well, not even whispers, <laughs> a few papers ran with the story about Lacazette. Um, but as you said, the Leon president seemingly saying no dice. I mean, mm. Whether he says no dice if someone turns up with a £40 million beard. Of course. Know. Of course. That's the thing. I mean, look, there's an awful lot of posturing goes on. Um, whether Lacazette is the guy who's going to score us those goals, I don't quite know. Uh, but I'm sure Arsene Wenger has got something something up his wizard's sleeve. We, uh, we've we asked Philippe Claire about Lacazette before on, mm. the, on the live Ask Us Extra, and he was... He wasn't too complimentary, as I recall. No, he, was, he wasn't. He wasn't convinced that he was the guy to make the step up, was he? No. no. And, and the, the thing about Lacazette that I find interesting is, you know, he's young, he's French, he's playing in Liga. I always kind of feel if he was, if he was someone who Vanga really fancied, that it might have happened before now. Yeah. You know? But with options dwindling. Maybe maybe he'll come to the fore. Well, this is it. Uh, and when we did speak to Philippe Auclair about um, Lacazette, he mentioned another player. Yes, he did. Nabil Fakir. Mm. Um, I can't remember who he played. Was it Marseille? No, he's also at... Oh, he's uh, at Lyon. Lyon, yeah. Right, OK. Um, who missed most of last season with a cruciate knee ligament injury, but Philippe seemed to think that this guy was a real talent somebody mm. who could perhaps take us to another level and if we're looking for that kind of a player you know a Mares, a, a Perez a Robert Perez uh, you know to get us those goals and add that bit of creativity in wide areas I wonder is he somebody who we've got an eye on well you would imagine so mm. you would imagine so I'll tell you what a question on that basis I mm -hmm. mean I don't know how, how realistic a prospect it is, but Neil Gogoy on Facebook asks, thoughts on Juan Mata for the wide attacking midfield role? No. Not for you? No. no I, I, think he's a, I think he's a really good player, Juan Mata, mm -hmm. but I think he's probably a bit old now. What is he, 30? I don't know if he's quite that old. He's 28. 28. Uh, good player, creative, but... Look, he's not the quickest. Mm -hmm. I don't think he gives you that kind of drive and penetration. Doesn't score that many goals. Um, do we have players who can do what he does? I think we do. You know, between uh, Wilshire, Ramsey, Ozil, Santi Cazorla, I don't know that he's the guy that we'd be looking for, to be perfectly honest. It looks as if he's heading to Everton. I mean, that's a, it feels like a big signing for Everton? Them. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's the big story. I mean, obviously, Mourinho's coming to United. He kicked Matter out of Chelsea. Um, and reports in mm. uh, British and Spanish press suggest he could be the first kind of marquee signing of the, the new era at Everton. That would be a big signing for them, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would indeed. Who's the, oh, Ronald Koeman, yeah. Ronald yeah. Koeman. They've, they bought a goalkeeper already, Stecker Lundberg from Fulham. Right. And, uh, yeah, looking at Juan Mata now. I think, so maybe, yeah, I, I, I think that this, uh, this month, when things really start moving and things are beginning to 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 build, aren't they, in terms of transfers? And there is almost always a 
a merry-go-round effect or a knock-on effect. Domino, that, yeah, yeah, domino effect. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Um, that once players start moving, then clubs are looking for replacements and the, the, the transfer activity starts to build and build and build. And I think with the managers that are coming in, with Guardiola coming in, Mourinho, uh, Conte at Chelsea, um, you know, uh, Klopp with his first season at Liverpool, Koeman at a, a newly minted Everton. They've got mm. a, lot, a lot of money to spend. You know, I think this month we're going to see a lot of a lot of activity, a lot of money being spent on a lot of players moving because clubs in the Premier League have a huge amount of money these days. They've got massive money. Um, you look at uh, West Ham and Crystal Palace bidding 40 million euros for the for the guy who went to Chelsea. Batshuayi, yeah. Batshuayi, yeah. So, I mean, this is the kind of market that we're operating in where everybody has got a lot of money. So, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. So, it's why I'm confident that we'll spend because we're going to have to. Um, well, everyone else is certainly going to. That seems to be the way it's shaping up. That is exactly it. But on that, very, very uh, briefly, sort of tangentially moving towards this kind of a question, this one comes from Daniel Ahmed, uh, who's at Daniel Ahmed. And he says, do you think there's too much emphasis placed on the players and not enough on building a team mentality? Well, I mean, the Euros has been quite interesting in that respect, hasn't it? Um, certainly the the sides that have been most impressive and you'd say that would be teams like Iceland, Poland, mm. Wales are the ones who function best as a team. Um, I don't know though how... What do you think... He, what does he mean by team mentality? Well, I think, he, I think probably what he means is that people look at individuals and maybe transfer fees and, and, and maybe what Leicester did last season that... Mm. Um, yeah, of course. They built a team with players... Uh, that they recruited and, and brought through a lot of guys, you know, people like Albrighton and Drinkwater, perhaps, who, who uh, hadn't done it elsewhere. Uh, you bring in people like Kante and Mares uh, for relatively small, um, s- small amounts of money, but you build a you build a team, something that is greater than the sum of its parts. Because if you look at it from a you know an individual basis, if you were to put the two teams down on paper, Arsenal versus Leicester, indeed, you put down the Leicester team against. The Manchester United squad, the Chelsea squad, the Man City squad, even the Liverpool squad, you would say pound for pound or player for player, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be outgunned by these big teams. But having created something a bit special that there is, you can get more out of a, a group of players than perhaps the, uh, the individuals. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's certainly true because Arsenal, I think, are guilty of being less than the sum of their parts at times. Mm. Uh, so if there was any way to <laughs> reverse that, uh, that would be brilliant. I think I think what's interesting with the, with the team this summer is that one of the problems last season, it was a problem we talked about on here quite a lot, is that there wasn't really a discernible style or uh, identity to the team. Uh, and that can be fostered without new recruits, potentially. Um, and should be, should be. And that's a big job for Arsene Wenger this summer. However, it may be that he feels he needs to move the team in a direction which requires the addition of certain individuals, mm. yeah. i.e., quick striker. But well, yeah, I mean, there's also, I mean, there's a lot to be said for um, what's the word? I know that Arstamaus will go crazy when I use it. It's not consistency. Um, you know, when you kind of keep faith with stability, stability, yeah, that could be it. I, maybe that's not it, but that that concept where you keep the core of the squad together and it grows and builds together, you know, there is something to continuity. be said. Continuity, exactly, yeah. But there's also something to be said for maintaining 
a, a, a significant amount of that core and then adding extra things to it because it gets more out of the people that you're 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 keeping you know yeah um, and and trimming some of the fat is never the worst thing you know yeah i, I always think that there was that summer a couple of summers ago where we, we got rid of uh few of the the pranksters in the squad the abues of the world and you felt like the whole attitude around the club was a little markedly changed after mm. that point and i thought it was a positive step so that's something to consider as well potentially mm. um next question yeah i just want to do this one uh, from ian wright at ih wright not the former arsenal striker i did like this he said have we signed a japanese player just to spite vardy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very possibly. That did occur to me. I think those signings may have been mutually exclusive. But there you go. Uh, Sina Mostavavi on Facebook, um, and they've asked, uh, if you had to pick, I like this, if you had to pick one Arsenal player to be cloned and play all 11 positions, who would it be? Oh, from the current squad? Yeah. Okay. So you want somebody who's tall enough to be good... At centre back and back. in goal, and uh, yeah, and in goal, but not to too real tall. Not too tall. I suppose if you were to look at physically, you know, would would Koscielny be that guy? He could be quite tall. He's fast, he's strong. Yeah, he could certainly. Koscielny would do it most positions. Yeah, um, um, Jacka maybe as well because he's got that nice. Physique, you could see him be a target man. He could be a rangy, a rangy fullback. He could play in central midfield. Yeah. What about Aaron Ramsey? Would you give him uh, any consideration? Yeah, I guess. Covers certainly covers a lot of the part. He's got the stamina and everything else, and we've seen him play at, uh, in defence before. Um, and fullback, uh, yeah, fullback, yeah. In. yeah. That's. Uh, uh, oh, I think I, I would go with Koscielny, though. Yeah. 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 I'm a little bit tempted by Danny Welbeck, I must say, actually. I oh, think he could, he, oh, actually, yeah. He could flourish in quite a number of positions. Mm. He's got that stamina, hasn't he? He's got that decent technique. Mm. I think Koscielny's a good shout, though. A team of Koscielny's yeah. would yep. be uh, an interesting prospect. Yeah, I quite like that. He likes like a that. goal as well. He can play up front. Yeah, and he's good. I saw him do that, like, uh, what's that one where you kick the ball from behind your feet or from one foot from behind the other? Oh, the Rabona. Yeah, seeing him do that. Score a mm. goal like that in training or whatever it was, one of the members' days. He's got the he's got the skills, the technique. So yeah, I think um, I think a team of Kasialnis. Although there is the possibility, you know, the way he has these moments, just these little every so often he has this kind of crazy moment where you yes. could see all eleven Kasialnis collide at yeah. once, creating a Kasialni eruption, a, a, an explosion of Kasialnis. Uh, also, they, they'd all want to do that thing where they get the ball and sort of charge up the field with it. Yeah. <laughs> so simultaneously, your whole defence of Koscielny's would just pour into the opposition half. Yeah, one behind the other like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> Be even more exposed to the mm. counter-attack than the current Arsenal team. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Yeah, I think Koscielny's a good shout. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd probably consider Ramsey, but Ramsey... Ramsey's a bit too much of an individual, I think, at times. You know, I think as much as he's he's got a good work ethic, he, he sort of... He tries to pull off so much that I thought, yeah. think if you had 11 of those players, I don't know, you wouldn't, you would, you'd struggle for keep ball, I think. Yeah. But at least he would know where he was going to back flick it to. So, that, you That's know. That's true. So Imagine all the back heels. Wow. Would, he would just, like 11 players back heeling the ball up the pitch 
bamboozling the defences. Be amazing. <laughs> bamboozling their own team. Yeah. As well. All right. Uh, this one comes from Ramakrishnan at Ramakrishnan21. He says, Why aren't we going after Italian defenders? Centre backs from Serie A. Interesting question. I don't really know. I mean, to be honest, there's not a great history of Italian defenders coming to the Premier League. Yeah. I can't think of too many who have uh, who've done it successfully. Um, maybe I'm being... Well, I think you're forgetting. I think you're forgetting that dude that played left back for Liverpool. Uh, Dosena. 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 And, of course, Matteo Darmian, who started like a house on fire at Manchester United. Um, Yeah, I can't. Gianluca Festa. (laughs) Yeah, he played for Middlesbrough, didn't he? Yes, he did indeed. Um, I don't know. They've got such a terrific reputation, haven't they? But Italians don't... They're a bit like the English. They don't travel massively. No, that's true. Uh, in football terms. Yeah. I, I couldn't speak more broadly. But, uh, yeah, maybe we should be looking at it. I mean, actually, I think I had a question. I'm going to answer a question with a question. Classic... Uh, classic James. Classic James tactic. But um, Gunner Outpost um, asked, do you think we're still in the market for a centre-half? If we ever were, indeed, I suppose. I think we, I think we might be, yeah, because um, certainly in that uh, Jeremy Wilson story, he says that we're after a, we're after a, a centre half. I would be surprised if we weren't going after a centre half. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't quite know who it might be. I, I, uh, we've mentioned the Bolton lad before. I, I feel like there's something going on there. Okay. Rob Holding. Now, whether he comes in, what happens to Callum Chambers, I don't quite know. Um, but we've got Mertesacker, we've got Gabriel, we've got Koscielny, we've got Chambers, we could bring in this this lad Holding. I, I, Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I do wonder if the right, you know, big fuck-off, really established centre-half was out there, uh, if we could find him, then I suspect we would probably try and bring him in, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm. I'd like that. I'd like to see a, a new centre half potentially, mm. but it's just been ever so quiet. So I, uh, I guess I've kind of all, amidst all this striker talk, mm. kind of forgotten about that prospect. All right. Here's a um, a few quick fire ones. Go on. Because uh, time is is marching on, and I've I've got places to go and people to see and you know stuff. Okay. So That's... here's one from Stefan Tellander, who right. says, "How much does the pair of Ibra?" And Jose scare you. He says, I haven't been able to sleep since last Thursday. Well, I think they are sort of nightmarish in their in their cuntiness, potentially, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I can understand that. I actually think that Zlatan's going to do pretty well at United. Um, uh, there's just something ho- horrible about it that makes me think, yeah, I think he's going to do all right. Mm. What about you? Well, look, it's clear that Jose Mourinho is history's greatest monster. Sure. And I know that we have many Swedish listeners and they all probably love Zlatan. But Zlatan and Jose get on very well. And it's sort Mm. of like the enemy of my enemy or the friend of my enemy or I don't know what I'm saying. But basically, if Jose and Zlatan get on really well, it's probably because they share the same evil core. I think they do. So it's certainly frightening to think what kind of 
shit they're going to get up to. What Zlatan might do on the pitch is open. I think it's I think it's open to question. Now he scored a shitload of goals for PSG last season. Um, fifty odd, yeah, just the fifty or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I do wonder if it might be more difficult for him in a more competitive league. I don't think he really did particularly well in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to have. I think he's going to have some kind of impact. Um, I hope it's horrendously destructive yeah, and, sure. and terrible, though. I hope that implosion would be good. I hope that by by fusing these two evil cores together is the sort of a polarizing effect like the two ends of a magnet and they start to push each other away and turn evil upon each other, creating a vortex of evil that, that envelops Old Trafford and sees things go even worse than they did under David Moyes and Louis van Gaal. So that's that, that's what I would That would be now. lovely. That would be lovely. All right. Um, here's one from Gary at Gag5R. And he says, following Zaza's antics in the penalty shootout, what dance would you do or want to see in the run-up to a penalty kick? I'd moonwalk up to it and backheel it into the top corner. Oh, that's pretty good. That's swish. <laughs> Funny well, you should so. say that, though, because I was thinking, like, uh, also along the Michael Jackson uh, road, where mm. you could start from the ha- ha- blah, blah, blah. you could start from the halfway line, yeah, and do that. Um, do the one from Thriller, you know, when it goes into the the sort of instrumental, but it goes, dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, yeah, and then you just do that all the way up to the ball, and then just <laughs> smash it in. I'd like that. I'd like that as well. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've got to score if you if you do a half half the pitch dance to Michael Jackson. Would you have the music playing in the background as well? Yeah, that'd be amazing. You just you just stand there on the centre circle and you just put a hand up and finger in the air. Cues it. Cues the music. Dun, if dun, each player had their own music dun, for their penalty shootout oh. runner. <laughs> that'd be brilliant. And they had to select it. I'd love it. It's a sort of fusion of penalty shootouts and Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah. Brilliant. I think we found the answer to our penalty shootout uh, conversation from a few weeks back. This is exactly. what would make penalties the greatest thing on earth. Everyone was so, you know, focused on goalkeepers dancing about on their line, they forgot to think about what dancing they should be doing in yeah, the run-up. exactly, exactly. All right, here's a, a final one for me, anyway, uh, from Super Ovi at Dove2000. He says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate each other's cooking ability? Now, I've never cooked for you or you. Oh, are we guessing? For me. Yeah. Okay. You think of a should number. We, we, you, think of we, a, you think of a number that would rate your own cooking, and I'll think of a number that would rate mine, and then right. we can see where we are. Okay. Okay. Right. I've I've thought of what yours is. I, okay. I don't really know what the scale is. I don't know what a ten is or what a one is. But ten is going to be like you know cordon bleu chef. I guess. Okay. Okay. Like a top top chefer. Okay, and I've got a number for you as well. Right. How do we do this? Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yours is like four. Ooh, generous! I gave myself a three. <laughs> not much of a cook. No, not much of a cook. I eat, I eat out a lot, to be honest. Oh. I'm I'm on the move. I can cook, but I'm very, very lazy. Right, and that you know, practice is vital with cooking. Yeah, I've got a few things I can cook well. But if you would stay with me a protracted period of time, you'd be like, oh, 
I see the I see we're at the rotation system coming into effect here. I, I remember this dish from four days ago. Right, sandwich again, uh, is it? <laughs> yes. Ah, toast again. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I was not the be, toast thing. <laughs> I was. Oh God, I was going to be quite kind to you. I was going to say like an eight. I wouldn't say an eight. I would have said seven. I'm, okay. Yeah, I, I like cooking a lot. It's kind of my um, my switch off thing. Right. Okay. Like, what is the best thing that you make? What is the best thing that I make? If you had to impress somebody, if if I was arriving for dinner and you really had to impress me, I had Arsene Wenger with me, uh, and we were going to have a big chat about transfer policy, and you wanted him to be on side. Right. What would be the one? meal you would cook what would be the one meal i mean i'm giving myself away the fact that i think in terms of like one thing you can cook <laughs> that's <laughs> that shows you how limited i am but i'm just trying to get to the hub of the heart of your cooking expertise right i like uh, one of the things i like a lot is this uh i guess it's an italian dish called cacio e pepe which is basically just pasta and you sort of uh, cook it with two different kinds of cheese uh, like Gran mm. Padano and maybe Parmesan, and I can't remember the other cheese. I'm going to have to look it up here. Um, but yeah. it, it's, it's quite precise in that you need to you need to add the cheese at the right time. Pecorino is the other cheese. So it's just basically two cheeses and black pepper, and you've got to cook the pasta in a little, you know, uh, add some of the water, add the cheese in at the right time, mix it all in, and you've got to like do it in such a way that it doesn't become super dry, uh, as it right. could just be. So that's that's quite a precise uh, dish, and I like that a lot. So uh, it tends to work out well most of the time. I also make a, an, a mean goulash. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. I've I've googled cacio e pepe. Yeah. It looks it, it looks intriguing. It is. It's good. It's very very delicious. Quite simple. Um, but you need the good cheese and you need to, it does take a little bit of practice, uh, to get it. But, uh, yeah, I, I recommend that one. Lovely. Well, look, we've learned. So basically, you know what you're doing and yeah. I don't. It's good though. I mean, it that takes your mind. a lot of things. <laughs> it does take your mind off stuff though. I find cooking, baking actually, um, does that too. I like baking. I like baking. I'm again. I'm not good at it. No, I do it. I'm not I, great I either. It. I still haven't. Still haven't got my sourdough bread right. But hey, I've, I've given up on that for the time being. I'll come back to it with fresh eyes. You know, when you get something isn't working and you go, "Oh, I've tried everything," and then you go away and you think of a solution um, when you take a bit of time away from it. So that's it. So that's yeah, Arsene Wenger's doing just that this summer. <laughs> one final question, right? This one, uh, I've got to find it here. It's on Twitter. Um, because we're going to have to do this. We've, we've threatened it long enough. Uh, it comes from Big Ad Sleepy Man. And he says, when are you, you going to play FIFA? And can we pick your teams, please? So when are we oh. going to play FIFA? We because have to play FIFA. We'll soon. have to do it this month because obviously you're going to be away in August. That's correct. Doing your stuff in, uh, in, Edinburgh. in Edinburgh. So we've got like so when I get back from July. holidays. Yeah. So yeah. maybe the... Not next week because I'm away, but the week after that, we'll we, have to book it in. Yeah, we'll book it in. We'll Live find an evening. On the internet. And I did get an email from somebody um, who said they'd help us, um, you know, do the Twitch or the broadcast thing. Um, he says he's uh, he runs a, a website, a gaming website, so he'd give us a hand with all of that. So that'll be good. So we'll do That'd that. Deal. Yeah, but no, you can't pick the teams. I'm sorry, we get to pick our own teams. Yeah. Um, fight it out for, yeah. to be Arsenal yes exactly okay so we'll do that at some point this month for sure 
All right. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. All right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there. So there won't be an Arsecast Extra next week unless something remarkable happens. As I said, if something remarkable happens and it's worth talking about, we might do a, a short, truncated version because, frankly, I, you know, I just need to not do stuff for a week. Um, oh, I think, yeah, well, well deserved. Yes. So we'll see. But look, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I'll update you uh, as and when. Um, that is going to happen or not going to happen. I'm going to take, you know, some time off the whole Twitter thing. Tom's going to be here doing the blog. So, you know, people can, uh, people can, uh, get it. If there's something there, I'll announce it. But if not, if you don't hear anything, there won't be one. So. There so we that's go. it. Assume, right. assume inactivity. Exactly. Exactly. And if anything happens on top of that, it's a nice surprise. Mm. All right. Um, that's it. Well, look, look, you have a good week, and I'll chat to you. Uh, chat to you when I get back. I will. I'll have a, I'll have a good two weeks. All Speak right. to you then. Do it. Oh yeah. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 